You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazit. Hello, Black Eagles podcast listeners. Sorry for interrupting the introduction, but quickly, I just wanted to say thank you very much to Emre Hasturk, who provided us with the stadium sounds this week again. Uh, they're coming live from Vodafone Park from this last match against Bashakshi here. So, yeah, thank you again, Emre. And for you listeners, uh, please enjoy the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 89 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. I am back, your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. I've been gone for a minute, which is somewhat rare uh, as far as the, the Black, Eagles, Black Eagles Podcast goes. Uh, but another returnee who has not been around in a while, we have Evron Akman returning. Sir, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, as a Bessie Cup fan or as a human being? Because <laughs> we're different, <laughs> different uh, <laughs> modes at the moment. Uh, no, I'm doing okay. I'm yeah. doing okay. Uh, busy as always. But um, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk Besiktash because I suppose that's why the people are here. Um, so, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, there is a news item that probably should be the, the most important thing that we'll talk about on this episode, but I'm not going to touch that one yet, because that I don't want to distract from the other material here. We have two matches to talk about. Besiktas played against Slovan Bratislava in Slovakia, which was um, one match that we had without revealing anything about it. Uh, And then they played again later on in the week, actually technically this week, in the next week, on Monday, against Basakshi here, uh, this time hosting the match at the Vodafone Park. Also, uh, you know, (laughs) without saying much about the game, we're not excited about this episode, perhaps, but uh, Evron, <laughs> let's talk, like, transport yourself to uh, a place mentally where you were about a week ago from today. We've come off a rough outing in our previous uh, Super League match, obviously. Um, sorry, yeah. really quickly, I have to remember who we lost to. That was Gazi here, right? Gazi so we've come off a terrible yeah. loss to Gazi here. 
We're about to play our first Europa League match of the season. What are you thinking at this point? Are you of the mentality like some of the, the negative Nancys uh, among our fan base that are, are saying the season's over? There's, you know, let's just uh, fold it all in. Or are, are you still holding out hope? Like, where were you at the beginning of this week? Do you remember? Um, I still uh, I had a, a feeling that, you know, this would be a good chance to get things back on track. You know, it's not the strongest team, the weakest team in our group. You would assume Slovan, because we have some pretty decent opposition other than them. And um, not that they were, you know, a walk in a park, but, you know, a game that we could... Uh, Show what's up. El Nani would be playing because he wasn't suspended. Vito would be playing because he wasn't suspended from the you yeah. know the Super League previous game. So you know things could get back on track and we have a decent performance, get some confidence in there, and uh, hopefully go on from there. Yeah, I think that's a that was a healthy perspective. I, I applaud you for that, everyone. Yeah, I, I people were ready to what's the expression the throw the ba baby out with the bathwater, <laughs> which is a weird expression i don't know where that yeah it's bizarre who came up with that <laughs> uh, but uh yeah i i was of, of the same mentality i thought that we could string together results i you know not not just yeah in midweek against bratislava but then maybe carry that through to bashakshi here i was thinking uh abdullah avci knows that team fairly well uh, and so he could use that to his advantage uh, which could give us you know something to work with but anyway let's let's stay on point here let's uh, chronologically um so going into that match Besiktas fielded Karius in the goal uh Domagos Vida and Victor Ruiz uh, on the back line uh, as you said earlier Domagos Vida who had been suspended against Gazi would be able to play against Bratislava because uh, in the Europa League, of course, those suspensions don't carry through. Douglas played on the right side with Rebosho on the left. So we saw them pairing together for the first time. Uh, maybe finally, some might say. Uh, El Neni played uh, in that spot at the, at the back of our midfield with Adem Lijic and Dorakan Tokus in front of him. Nkudu started on the left side. Diaby on the right, and Umut Nair would start up front. Whew. Now, I have to be honest, um, this was pretty close to my ideal lineup, considering who was available to us. I I'm not going to sugarcoat it, because I felt pretty good about this. Umut Nair being up front, you know, questionable, obviously. But I felt like Guven Yelchin had proven to be basically inept to not be up to it as far as being as, at least a sole striker. Um, I still think he might kind of register more as like a central forward, uh, better in a two-man uh, lineup, you know, having two men up front. Um, or, you know, I definitely don't think he's a winger. I know Shenel Gunesh loves him in that role. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, I mean, what were your thoughts anyway going into this one, everyone? Uh, I mean, I w the one surprise was that Boyd didn't even make the squad. Yeah, a recurring but, issue, um, which we'll have to talk about again. Overall, it was a little bit of rotation um, with the fullbacks and the striker, but it wasn't, you know, it was about what I expected. And I guess Osan wasn't fit yet at this point. He wasn't in the squad either, but 
So you would have rather seen Ozan than, I suppose, Dorokan, huh? Um, well, I mean, he I, he wasn't even in the squad either, Ozan, so I, I guess he wasn't fit to play that day. But, um, I mean, like, yeah, ideally. Ozan and Boyd are two players I would have liked to see feature, at least in some capacity. But Yeah, that's where we agree. And I think um, my perhaps where I nitpicked with this lineup, and I, I kind of nitpick in general with Abdul Avci's choices thus far, I would really prefer to see, especially after the transfer episode, for those of you who follow the podcast and have heard that, I, I think Diaby needs to play as a striker. Uh, I really want to yeah. see that happening. And so, yeah, that which would free up the right wing for for Boyd. I really feel like we are giving up on Boyd a little fast. I don't want to talk about Boyd too much yet because I feel like when we start talking about the Pashakshi here matches where we can really uh, get get into that subject. But, yeah, um, I guess let's quickly talk about what happened with Bratislava. Because uh, it was a pretty <laughs> interesting match, honestly. I mean, for, yeah. for the uh, neutral, anyway. Or the Bratislava fan, perhaps. But so, uh, yeah, I'll just sort of run through the, the major moments as they happened. It was a cagey match, I think, early on. Bratislava came out with energy, but then Besiktas sort of figured out the pace of the game. I mean, first... Uh, Bratislava scored, and it was Sporar, who uh, I thought probably may have been their man of the match. Andraz, for sure, right? Yeah. And was solid all around. Yeah. Uh, but it was right about there. And the, the, the goal, it, I suppose it needs to be mentioned, was a disaster. <laughs> the uh, yeah. That first goal, and, and of course, Karius has to take probably at least 75% of the blame. I, I want to give yeah, Rebosho a little, a little too, because Rebosho slams into him, preventing... Uh, it was after he missed the ball, so it was... The thing was, when, well, we, we can go through the whole scenario before we start dealing out whose fault it is, but um, basically, Carries comes out to head a, a, a punt from the other goalie. As he misses, it goes over his head. He crashes into Rebosho. They both fall over. Striker goes in and taps it in, so it was kind of like... Maybe if they didn't crash into each other, they still could have gotten to the ball. But since they took each other out, there was no one left to defend. So pretty bizarre way to start the game off. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I guess, I guess, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we don't really have to talk too much about this later. So let's just get it out of the way. I think uh, it's just terrible communication. It doesn't help that that's Rabosho's first start with the team and, and the match starts with that kind of collision uh the it, it's worth mentioning also i think that you know going into this match we're coming out with three new defenders on a four-man back line so that's always going to have complications certainly right like you're always gonna that's gonna yeah. be testy i think we were hoping that bratislava would be kind of low enough quality that we could you know make that work nonetheless but Anyway, it did seem like we kind of got control shortly thereafter. And Besiktas looked much better. In the 29th minute, Adem Lijic would score uh, after drawing a penalty. Um, 
I'm already confusing it with the penalty goal that we had in the next match. Yeah, uh, but so, yeah, that equalized it, and Besiktas at that point looked the much stronger side. Uh, the, I was watching the BR Live broadcast. I think you were too, everyone. So yeah, I had a, a, an English broadcaster who, at this point, was fairly smitten with Besiktas and talked, wow, he was really impressed with Diaby and Unkudu on the wings, was talking about how they have a lot of energy, and once they kind of put the pieces together and find that um, common thread, you know, and start working together as a unit, this could be a really promising side. And he's he was kind of rewarded for his analysis at the very end of the first half. Uh, an own goal was scored. It was credited to Bozikov. Um, who would you say was sort of most responsible for the own goal on Besiktas's part, Evran? Um, it was definitely Unkuru. Was, uh, he beat his man down the line, fired in a, a, a lacrosse, like, literally like shot the ball across the box, and it just deflected at the near post off the uh, Slovan defender. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's the kind of um, own goal that you can take a little credit for, because I think if you're crossing yeah. a ball, you kind of want to be doing that to some extent right you want to be putting danger for everyone like you know you hope obviously that your man gets to it and puts yeah. it the most you know that's the easiest path but it doesn't always work out that way but anyway so yeah at the half Besiktas goes in ahead which I think some could say they may not have deserved but at the same time you know according to our English broadcaster uh, they really did start to look the dominant side and by leagues, you know, they were really uh, far ahead of their opposition, it seemed. And that carried into the second half. Initially, Besiktas looked to kind of be in control. But once again, the counterattacks would be the killer for Besiktas. In the 58th minute, again, Sporar would strike. Do you recall that one, Evran? Yeah, it was um, Umut, um basically the to epitomize his game, got the ball with his back to goal at our, our half and um, tried to link up with a teammate and then just passed it to the other team. So he gave it 15 yards back into our own zone, set up the opposing midfielder who slot in, Spora, who just finished it near post on carries. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah awesome. <laughs> That's just awesome. Yeah, so at that point... I think most Besiktas fans are feeling that familiar sort of doubt that's creeping in. Uh, we've dominated the ball for the most part. We look the stronger side, but we're... Yeah, Besiktas had 70-something percent possession overall. Yeah, I mean... And what was just troubling was that we just... We, were, we looked so kind of feeble on the break, so disheveled. I don't know, you know, there was, I don't know if it's, there wasn't enough communication or if the positioning was off or I, whatever it was, it was very clear that things could be, could break at any moment, regardless of how dominant we were on the ball. Uh, at this point, the subs start to come in, which you may, I think many would argue is perhaps a little late. Uh, the 74th minute, Atiba Hutchinson would come in for Ruiz, who actually was injured. So it wasn't even a substitution by choice. Uh, Bratislava made a sub in the 79th minute. Diaby would come out for Jeremy Lenz. Uh, in the 82nd minute, Nkudu 
would come out for Guven Yalchin. And even our British announcer was shocked at this point because Nkudru was, again, not the most effective player on the pitch, but definitely the one showing the most desire. And so it seemed a little... I mean, of course, he was, it's late in the match. We're talking about the 82nd minute. So uh, he's the type of player that fatigue should play a, uh, an, uh, should have an impact on. But this is where things would get a little weird. <laughs> uh, and again, the counter, right? In the third minute of extra time, Ljubicic, uh, assisted by Sporar, so that should be of note, would strike... Uh, any comments there, everyone? I mean, <laughs> I don't even remember the goal at this point, to be honest. I just uh, you're like blacking out, right? Yeah, I remember. I remember that it went in. I was like, I said, "Good night," you know. Now that's that ninety plus two. Yeah, and um, I wasn't wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure enough. One minute later. <laughs> and yeah, of course, in Petrovic's defense, they go for it i think you know there's like a few minutes of extra time left uh but yeah they strike again rarsala man these names are not <laughs> they're really putting me to the test here but yeah so rarsala would give slovan but he goes by moha he goes by moha that's his, his nickname Kadfi. a little bit easier to say moroccan is moha yeah so yeah in the fourth minute of extra time Kadfi Rarsala struck, and that would end it. Uh, four to two. Bratislava would win at home. Um, their first ever win in the Europa League. So that's good for them. <laughs> uh, congrats yeah. to you guys. <laughs> Deserved a win, if we're going to be honest. Um, yeah, based on the shots taken chances created yeah right we... and and uh, uh, we dominated the match on the ball and all of that but like there's something to be said for playing a, an effective counter-attacking game which they did actually creating chances yeah. and shooting the ball and all that exactly um that stuff but so yeah obviously the the positive is adem liayet getting on the board for us scoring but on a penalty uh so we're still not exactly effective in front of the goal by any stretch at this point. This is obviously before the Bashak Shriar game even, which is not positive in this regard. Statistically speaking, and so this is what everyone was just alluding to, Bratislava had 16 shots on goal to Besiktas' 13. So even though Besiktas had 72% possession, Bratislava had more shots on goal and more shots on target. And more shots inside the box. Uh, they were credited for creating six big chances, while we were credited for only creating two big chances. Yeah, and so Besiktas so. had four shots on target out of 13 total, so very inept in that regard. Again, uh, and Bratislava, not particularly, uh, not exactly efficient there, you know, being six for 16, but still better than us. Uh, and it shows on the scoreline. And it's worth noting that they had six shots on target and four goals. So that's not a good look for our defense. And it's worth noting here that these were mostly counterattacking goals, if not all yeah. counterattacking goals. In fact, I think all four goals They're were all led by errors or counterattacks, yeah. Or counterattacks off, off of errors. errors. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was a terrible match to start our Europe, European campaign for the year. It was a terrible match. 
as far as trying to build momentum for our Super League campaign, which has stuttered thus far. Yeah. And I don't really want to harp on it too much. Um, no, it's on to the next game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, real quick, who is your... Uh, I don't think we can find a man of the match, honestly. It was just a terrible match all around. We didn't find uh, any Tebow. shape. Tebow is the man of the match, I guess. He came on and looked decent. Yeah, no, one of the saddest aspects of this <laughs> season is that Atiba keeps coming on and looking like the missing link for us, and that... It's only sad because the man is 36 and he's not getting any younger. Uh, so, yeah, that would be it. Right? Is he 36? Am I correct in that? At least 36. He's, he's, might be getting closer to 37 at this point. But I think 36 is correct. Myself. Real quickly, Barcelona just won. I got that notification. Blocking my yeah, he's 36. Yeah, he's exactly 36. Turning 37, 37 in February. In February. Uh, could you? Uh, hopefully, there's like a Benjamin Button miracle <laughs> formula that's being applied to him as we speak. Anyhow, let's just move on. I don't even want to talk about yeah. like it was such a bad game that I don't even want to pick on any individuals as like the lowlights because really the whole team was crap. And I think the lowlight was yeah. just the all-around fact that there was no shape even. Right in previous matches, we could say, "Ah, oh, but at least like in the second half, we looked like a team that was developing a style of play, whatever." In that game, um, and yeah. uh, it's been like, getting let's, worse. Let's segue into the point. next match, yeah. And then yeah. against Bashakshi here, I, we really lacked shape. Uh, let's talk about that because we've already started to spoil it. Bashakshi here would be a whole other adventure. This one at home at the Vodafone Park. Called, you know, they, they label it a derby. I don't really even want to call it that. That's like <laughs> the object derby. Yeah. That, that requires Bashak. That, that requires legitimizing Bashakir as an actual team instead of a figment of someone's imagination. But uh, yeah, here we were coming into a pivotal Super League match, uh, given Bashakir's standing in the last few seasons, anyway. Even if I don't want to call them a real rival. But yeah, the standings were not looking too good for Besiktas. They were just right above the, the relegation zone. Granted, four games into the season, right? Like, out of 34. And Besiktas was right there with us in the relegation. Yeah, and Besiktas was right there, too. But, so, yeah, it, it was... Uh, I, I would think Besiktas would have the advantage, given that Abdul Avci... Um, knows that team theoretically better than anyone else would and we're at home and we're at is home. the only place that we can play something that resembles <laughs> yeah i don't even i mean Positive. can we <laughs> can we uh yeah what we want our only game there to, so. yeah. historically that's the case sure uh but so yeah going into the match i think we have to talk about our lineup as always this would be a weird one, because of course we would not have Elneny here. We would not have Domingos Vida, Vida. here. Uh, but, on the flip side, we would have Burak Yilmaz, who would make his first appearance of the season, starting up front. Usually I start from the back, so I'll get back to it. Karius was in the goal. 
Gokhan, Gonul, and Nejib Uysal were the starting central defenders. <sighs> Roko was also injured and not in the Which squad. Which is, so. you know, unfortunate. Roko actually, the, the, he had a somewhat supposedly pr- promising summer uh, and then went down injured. And then we actually needed him and he's still injured. So this could have been his chance, theoretically, to, to redeem himself and maybe get minutes, but not to be. Gokhan Gunul instead would start alongside Nijib. John Erkin would play on the left side of the, of the defense and Douglas again on the right side. Uh, the midfield would switch up to a, a sort of more traditional 4-3-3. And so Dorokan, Atiba, and Adem Lijic would line up uh, in a line in the center of the midfield there. And up front... Diaby and Nkudu would start on the wings. Again, Nkudu on the left. With Burak Yilmaz starting up front, as I've already said. Any surprises there? Uh, were you happy with... Like, what were your thoughts on that lineup, generally? Um, I mean, yeah, it was happy to see Burak back. I thought I wouldn't rather have seen a different center-back pairing, but overall, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't bad. Well, in an ideal scenario, you would absolutely rather see a yeah. different central back pair. Uh, but even, I would argue, even in this setting, I would yeah. rather have seen a different pairing. Uh, let me hear your thoughts first. Where would you have gone with it? I would have liked to have seen either a Tibor Dorukan drop back to center back with Nejip, Hepgek on the right, and then have Ousan come in. But maybe Ousan isn't fit enough to play 90 minutes yet, or maybe they just don't want him to. So who knows? Interesting, yeah. I mean, Dorokan is certainly an option as well. Um, I personally, I would have maybe even gone with Erdogan Kai. I, I think when you, I don't want to say waste, but I mean, really, like those preseason minutes, especially when you have a team with as much upheaval as Besiktas has had this summer, uh, he gave a lot of those minutes to young guys. And so if you're trying to sort of get guys comfortable in the rotation. Uh, it seems like he put a lot of effort and energy into getting those guys ready for the season. Uh, and some of them played fairly well. I think Erdogan Kaya was one of those guys who certainly didn't stand out for having made any errors, which is, you know, almost ideal in that position because you rarely get seen as doing something positive as a central defender. And, you know, you're only really focused on in, in the worst case scenario typically. So he wasn't in, in that regard. So I thought this could have been a scenario for, for him to maybe make an appearance. Obviously, the argument here is that you're playing against Bashakshir here in a Super League match. There's a lot on this match. But, I mean, playing Gokhan Gunul and Nejip on the back line is not a particularly, like, comforting plan A. So, uh, you know, I don't know. At least Erdogan is of that position. Uh, it's a shame that we don't have guys Alpai like last year it sounded like we had Alpai Chelebi and Fatih Aksoy yeah. who were both supposed to be promising central defenders ranked above Erdogan Kaya as as our prospects um, so for them both to be deemed surplus is unfortunate they're both out on loan and um, they're both injured so <laughs> yeah and injured exactly so we've got some issues there uh, but yeah, so just bad luck also with Enzo Rocco still being out and all that. But anyway, 
at least we can sort of say in Abdul Abdi's defense that what, like, you know, he didn't have a, a spoil of uh, options at his yeah. disposal. But so let's get into this match, man. Uh, the lineup is what it is. I, any other? All right. What? Like we've we've really focused on the defense here. Any comments? Um, it, it seems like Nkudu and Diaby are his guys on the wings. How yeah. do you feel about that? Um, not impressed almost at all with them. I mean, Nkudu has been, I guess, the the better, but he's been a bit like. Uh, a lot of flash, no substance, uh, really bad decision making. Um, I don't know. It's, at least he can dribble people, I guess. But that's, that's really all about it. Diaby's looked completely lost. The only times he's looked good is when he's had the ball at his feet. He's played a couple good through balls from like very yeah, deep. Looked, but other than he that, had he, moments against Bratislava where I thought he was going to break out, and then it just didn't quite happen with yeah. the touch or whatever it was. Um, I disagree a bit on Nkudu. I feel like I see a lot in him as far as potential. Uh, I really feel like there are many things working against, I mean, really both of them at the moment as far as not having much stability in the rotation and the other spots, right? There's not much cohesion being developed by a main unit because there hasn't really been a main unit yet because of injury and everything else. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, as far as developing cohesion, I think that's really worked against really the whole unit developing a sense of what they're supposed to be doing, just tactically in general. But then specifically, I think where that's been most impactful is that the, the midfield has been ghosting, you know, almost yeah. every aspect of it. Dorokan has had a, I would say, honestly, and I... I bought his shirt this year, so I would, you know, I should be biased in the other way, but I think he's had a fairly terrible season, if we're going to be honest. Um, Atiba, you know, fairly solid, but Adem Lijajic, also a huge fallback. Uh, really a step down this year so far. He's, you know, this match was played out of position. That's not always been the case this season, but... Um, I don't know. I don't think anyone can be particularly excited about Adem Lijajic so far this year. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten a couple goal contributions, but nothing really to go crazy about. His actual performances haven't really lifted up the team, per se, but at the same time, I can't blame him for when he has three assists and a goal, I guess. You know, when you look at it that way in the Super League in five games, that was pretty good, considering we're awful, but... um. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, but penalties like he's had things working for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, what I mean to say is that the same reason that I think Boyd has not been a great success thus far is what I think is working against Diaby and Nkudu as well, which is that yeah. they're not getting balls in open spaces that they can run onto. Nkudu more so because I think players are recognizing his pace is so far and above everyone else that they can really just loft it into into areas that he could, that nobody else could really get to. Uh, but they're still, I think, in a way, almost over-relying on that. Uh, you know, putting him in awkward angles often just kind of 
where they know he can get to it, but there's not a lot he can do. He's kind of pinned in the corner or whatever it might be, which might not be his game. You know, I think he'd be better having getting the ball earlier up in the field with the ability to cut in uh, and do some damage there. Because I don't think his crosses. I mean, they're not bad technique-wise, but they're they're they not so bad as far as they're not so. I mean, technique-wise, as far as like his delivery, but. They're not falling where they need to. The, the end result hasn't been there, but it really hasn't been for anyone. So, I, I mean, yeah, for me, the main problem has been in the center of the midfield thus far. Uh, but anyway, so let's talk about this game. Let's get into the, the timeline of events. Um, so, yeah, things got underway. Barack Yilmaz earned himself a yellow card in the seventh minute uh, for arguing, I think. With the ref, uh, he slapped someone, like a trailing arm, hit someone in the yeah, face. Yeah, no, no, his arm was sticking out behind him, uh, and he made contact. But I don't think he got the card for that in and of itself. It was a little dirty, and his hand did stick out for a little longer than it needed to. But my my sense was that it was just a foul call until he, because he really got up in the ref's face and was yelling and just. I'm pretty sure he did that because he got the yellow card, but. I don't know. Could be. I mean, and that was a theme throughout the match for him, too. He was doing. A, he could have gotten another one for all the complaining he was doing. But that's fairly Barack-like, perhaps. Uh, Mahmoud Tekdemir got a yellow in the eighth minute for Basak here. Adem Lijic got a yellow card in the 34th minute for simulation. No, uh, he, got, a, he got the yellow card. Remember, um, that was last game he got a yellow card for simulation against Bratislava. Uh, Against Bratislava, yeah. that's right. Yeah, he got booked uh, there this too. One, oh, yeah. this one he slapped. Yeah, no, this one he earned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although, so this was weird. The ref sort of ran into him. Uh, and what was weird about it was that Lijic was looking in their direction, but the ref seemed to just run right into him. Like, yeah. I didn't, I saw the angle from behind, but the ref, like, was looking forward and just, uh, it was weird. It was a little weird. Uh, and so Lijic got frustrated by it. And he didn't hit the ref, but he kind of like the referee put his to hand get on around his chest, him, and then he like smacked. He's like, "Don't touch yeah, him." Like, yeah, like to get around him. He's like, "Get out of my way!" I don't even <laughs> think he knew if it was the ref. I mean, it was weird. It was a weird. It was a bad decision by Adam. <laughs> uh, in the 34th minute, I suppose in the arguing about what happened there, Douglas got. It was actually uh, Douglas got booked for his foul, and then that's when um. Lige got ran into by the refs. So, like, he yeah. was about to give Douglas a yellow, and then Lige slapped him, so they both got yellows. That's what it was. Yeah, it was a scrum. And I don't even like. I, I obviously was watching the match, but it was the, it, was, it wasn't fun. This whole match was was difficult to watch. The, the first half was slogging, lots of little tic tac fouls, um, which I think was probably by design, as far as Bash uh, actually here's response to how we were playing because we were dominating possession again and obviously they needed to break the cycle and prevent us from uh, being effective in their part, part of the pitch. Uh, Uchar, what's his first name? Ur? Ur, yeah. Ur Uchar, yeah. He got himself a yellow card right before the half. From the bench, yeah. From the bench. Uh, yeah, whatever. This was actually into extra time of the first half. In the 51st minute of the second half, so again, they went to the half nil-nil. Crivelli got himself a yellow card, uh, and three minutes later, he got himself a goal. <laughs> uh, you want to describe that one? 
It was really against um, the run of play, actually. It was yeah. Visha, it was a counterattack. Visha cuts in, finds Gobranson at the top of the box. He uh, decides he's going to have a shot. Gets blocked and then just falls right to uh, Crivelli, who was kept on side by Nejip because he was behind the other three defenders. Fell right to him in the box. He just had a slot at home. That was that. That little side note about Nejip keeping him on sides. It wasn't his fault as much this time because it was a deflection, although he was yeah. sort of positionally playing too deep as a central defender. But he did this a number of times throughout the match where he was keeping guys on sides, and it, it led to one-on-ones that Karius actually saved a number of. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's clearly an issue for him. Obviously, to his defense, he's not technically a central defender, and so positioning and especially holding the offsides trap would probably be one of the more challenging things for him uh, mentally, especially for a guy who I'm assuming isn't, He's not winning any, you know, uh, MacArthur Genius grants anytime soon, <laughs> Mr. Nejip. But yeah, um, Unfortunate strike against Besiktas in the 54th minute. In the 65th minute, we finally got a sub, which again a little late, my friend. Uh, Oz Yakup yeah. Ozan would come in for Douglas. Um, Ozan would play in the center of the midfield, and it would push Dorakan to right back, uh, which yep. you know actually not terrible. Dorakan was fairly effective there, even. Maybe more so than as in the middle. In the middle of the midfield, he's been kind of ghosting, so pushing him more to the periphery of the on the pitch wasn't terrible because you still get his kind of work ethic and engine. But anyway, yeah, in the 69th minute, now this is the sub where I think you and I are both probably yeah. kind of freaking out, like a little bit upset. Orkan Chinar would come into the match in the 69th minute for. Abdullah Diaby. I don't think either one of us is upset about Diaby coming up at this point. He's had a fairly ineffective match. But yeah. Orkan Chinar would actually make him look like a like Ronaldo, you know, comparatively. Because <laughs> Orkan Chinar looked like he could be like a two-league player, honestly. Yeah. Uh, whew, he Pretty was bad. really terrible, honestly. Seventy-second minute, Nedjip got himself a yellow. Uh, I don't remember. I think the also reason why we're unhappy is we still had Boyd, Lenz, Muhayer. Well, yeah. Even Umut all on the bench. Even Rebojo on the bench. Well, in particular, 
void, right? Out of them. Because if you're going to yeah, do a, particular a wing void, for yeah. wing swap, we have Void, who hasn't played in a couple matches, and like his ability is his pace and kind of uh, ability to strike off the wing. You'd think this would be exactly the scenario you'd want to bring in something like that if you're not starting him or whatever. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Nijip's yellow? Um, not really. You know, Nedjip just always is gonna get one. I remember he fouled. I remember he fouled someone, but I feel like it wasn't that bad of a foul. But the referee was having one of those where he just gave red. Like he was flipping a coin, to decided what he was gonna call it all day. But and and Nedjip's the kind of guy who probably earned three or four that were like on the line, and so he just gave him one of them just to mitigate any criticism. Uh, but yeah, Mehmet Topal would come into the match in the 74th minute for Crivelli. So they've clearly made their decision as far as uh, how they're going to finish out this match. They're going to try to hang on to their 1-0 lead. Uh, in the 78th minute, Gul Branson would also come out. So now they're down two strikers, but they've put one back in via Damba Ba, uh, who actually got a, got a, a fairly hearty ovation, yeah. round of applause <laughs> from the crowd. Uh, right before then, or no, actually right after then, Epurianu got himself a yellow card in the 83rd minute in a foul that would result in a penalty. How about that? Via VAR, yeah. Uh, because of VAR, uh, Epurianu was... I mean, Burak Yilmaz sold it. He fell, but it's kind of what you got to do. Epurianu was There's yanking very, on his shirt. It's fairly clear A very visible shirt. You, would you agree it was the right call? I think you kind of have to, right? Yeah, I mean... It was really stupid because Burak could not have gotten to the ball, but like he pretty blatantly pulled his shirt and held on to it for like two seconds. Yeah, really like, dumb. Pulled by it like go. It was like he pulled, made a clear pull, held on for like a second as the ball was overhead, and then once the ball passed, then he let go. And it's the kind of thing in VAR, once you slow it down, it looks so much worse too because you see yeah. the shirt, and it looks like when it's slowed down that he's like literally yanking him for like a full minute because <laughs> they've slowed it down so yeah. of course it's just for half a second but anyway yeah it was enough they got the call Burak Yilmaz slatted it home kind of down the middle to the left a bit keeper went the wrong way Arda Turan came in for Mehmet, or Mahmoud Tektemir rather. I'm, a, I'm actually a Mahmoud fan, I, I almost, I kind of wanted us to yeah. get him, but he's getting old now and whatever. Uh, still though, like sy system-wise, you'd think he would know Abdul Abji's system. I kind of wanted us to get someone just to keep that cohesion, like an Irfan Jan or Mehmet Tropal, you know, someone from the middle of that system on his previous side, so anyway, yeah. Mahmoud would come out for Arda, which would prove to be a pretty bad mistake. Arda looked dazed and confused. Uh, 89th minute, Martin Skirtel would get himself a yellow card on a pretty crappy tackle on... Yeah, studs up. Who did he do that yeah, to? Like, uh, 
chest level. <laughs> Who was that on? He kicked. Uh, he kicked in Kudu. it was yeah. And yeah, Kudu. Yeah. At that moment, I realized that Kudu is probably gonna get injured in Turkey because his pace <laughs> is so much. Like guys don't know what to do with it, and I think a guy like Skirtel is gonna like you know he's just gonna get frustrated at some point and do something like that. It was a terrible tackle. I mean, yeah, we saw Kaisar kick the hell out of him, and then the referee didn't even give him a yellow card. Exactly, and, yeah. Which and stop. And Kaisar yeah. was actually doing that most of the match because he was so frustrated by his yeah. pace. He really lumped him. He turned one direction and he he didn't even look at the ball. He just ran up to him and just swiped at his legs. And what one kind of. What made it worse, it exacerbated it, and I blame the ref for this, is that he had been kind of kicking him in the legs and in the shins early in the game, and then Nkudu responded once, not like terribly, but just like with a little push or something, and then he warned Nkudu. So the only person that got any <laughs> negative attention from the ref was Nkudu for very minimally responding to what had been very dirty play. Like yeah, the referee was really naive. Was yeah, like that Sunday league. Yeah, right. Sunday like, league how are you gonna be a ref in say. Turkey and not know how these things work? Yeah, it was a little <laughs> weird. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the game ended one to one. So Besiktas salvaged a point against a uh, you know Bashakta here, right? But they they're supposed to be good. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't think anyone's happy about the draw. Uh, and this would be highlighted. I think it's. No, I'm not even going to tell the news yet. So let, let's hold off on the news. Quickly, let's analyze this match very briefly. Evron, for you, who's the man of the match for us? Man of the match for us. I mean, oh, I, I guess the statistics say Burak because he scored, but he didn't really do anything else other than that. He was just like, okay, not good, not bad. Um, yeah. I feel like... Arius was pretty good. Yeah, no, he was. He saved, like I said, he, he fixed a lot of those. He made bags. six six saves, is what I think he made six or seven. He made a couple big saves. Yeah, that's interesting. Especially after uh, Howler, like he was awful against Slovan. He should have got a red card two minutes after that mistake where he gave up a goal, got away with that. So like you don't have to rebound after that awful game. That's true. Yeah, that's actually I guess, worth. I guess I'll give him the man. The hey, yeah, that's a positive. We got a silver lining out of this. That's a that's a good yeah. thought. You're right. And another another so point. Strength. I am gonna go ahead. I, it's it's a sort of cynical man of the match, but I'm I'm gonna say thank you, Nejib, for not getting carted out of this game or doing something boneheaded that resulted in us losing. You were not even, I mean, maybe partially responsible for the goal, but I won't even do that to you, man. Uh, he made a few nice tackles, lunges. Um, most of them because he was out of position and had to contort his like Ronaldinho for two seconds. He had to contort his body <laughs> in superhuman ways to compensate for bad positioning, but he did it. So credit, you know, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, Nedjip was uh, okay. As a, I'll, I'll let him be our fourth central defender. How do you like that? I'll, I'll accept that role for him. But yeah. Uh, Lastly, I should have probably already done this, but statistically, Basakshi here led the way. 11 shots to Besiktas's 8. 7 on target, however, to Besiktas's 2. So they were ruthlessly efficient, and that kind of speaks to what you were saying about Karius having a very solid game. Uh, Besiktas was, I guess for us fans, because they were ruthlessly inefficient, 2 of 8. Um, not looking potent at all. Uh, I don't think there was a decent shot on goal until maybe the 75th minute or so. 
It was really terrible. It was, it was, for Besiktas fans, this was not a fun match. Uh, however, Besiktas has once again staked out this great lead in possession. They had 60% of the ball to... It's actually just 40% if your math really sucks and you need that kind of help. Besiktas completed 584 passes to their 398 with an 85% accuracy rate to Besiktas' 77. Besiktas here committed 18 fouls to Besiktas' 9, but only 5 yellow cards to Besiktas' 4. Uh, I said lots of ticky-tack fouls. The, that stat, I think, uh, supports my point there. Besiktas here really played dirty, and their strategy for breaking up our kind of midfield dominance that we have tactically, typically, uh, is worse. It was just to, to foul us a lot and to stop play and annoy us out of um, being kind of cohesive. And I guess it worked. <laughs> um, no red cards in this match. That's a positive, I guess, for Turkey. Uh, one offsides apiece, which sort of speaks to how boring this match was in general. There wasn't a lot of like pressure on either goal. Besiktas had four corners. Besiktas had zero. Not a single corner kick in the whole match. Oof. Uh, yeah, this was a rough match, man. I don't... This match, yeah. dis despite we didn't even lose, you know, we not, not even having lost this one, um, this one really gave me the blues. <laughs> it really bummed me out because we didn't like, there wasn't even a stretch, a 15 minute stretch or whatever, even where I could say, ah, but at least, you know, we looked like we were developing this unit, this cohesion, this teamwork, this, uh, this new structure. <laughs> there was nothing. Uh, there was nothing positive about it. It was a terrible game to watch. We didn't even maybe deserve to draw it, if we're going to be honest. We only had yeah, we were two chances. Like time. There was nothing dangerous about our play whatsoever. Um, so that's, my, that's, that's what I have to say. What do you have to say? Um, basically, uh, it's hard to sum up all the issues, but um, the possession is like a lot of just pointless possession. You know, side to side, back. yeah. Um, we don't really have any danger going forward. Um, when we do lump crosses in, they're awful. And their players aren't really crossers. Um, there's a lack of ability to break the lines. There's a complete disconnect to the strikers. They often, even Burak, I mean, he was better than Yuvan and Umutur, but you know, he was still not so effective. A ghost. Hopefully, just rusty, you know, hopefully. Almost, almost no service. Yeah. Um, midfield lacked a lot. I think there's a lot of personnel changes that should have been different, and the fact that he only made two subs, and he waited so long to make the subs, and he left Lopez on the bench, doesn't give youth a chance. And it's just, I don't even have hope watching the game. It's kind of like, you know, we're scoring penalties and own goals, and stuff like that just... yeah literally that's that's our last three goals yeah. two penalties and an own goal yeah uh things have been fairly grim we can't hide it anymore yeah. uh they're not they're not looking better which is also like in the beginning of the season like against Rizzo when we tied at home it was like well we look good and then we like you know we didn't have time but we look good for good portions of that game before we conceded the past couple of games like we didn't even look good 
just... Yeah, we don't even have many like positives to take home. We're still undefeated at home. Okay, there you go. There's a positive. We've lost every single other game. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's... it's... <sighs> there, there were supposed to be growing pains. Uh, maybe we didn't have to win the title this year. There was no doubt we were we were shifting to a new epic, so to speak. Epic, E-P-O-C-H, not E-P-I-C. Uh, a new era. Um, so, you know, some of this was supposed to happen, but it wasn't supposed to be like this. Uh, I think we all yeah. thought at least we'd have these moments, these glimmers of hope, these young guys uh, showing potential and flair and whatever it might be. Uh, it's not like that can't still happen. Uh, and Kudu and Boyd and all these guys are still there and uh, could still uh, turn our heads, I suppose. But yeah, so far, not so good. Also, the spirit of the players is like, looks like they're losing belief also. Yeah, like, it does. Know, watching the game. I mean, when we scored that penalty, there was a little, you know, came back in and we actually looked like maybe we would score again. But, you know, before that, it was it was tough to watch. And then after that, it wasn't great to watch. It was just, like, bearable. It was like, this is how it should be normally. It's not like, you know. I felt like watching my games, you know, like Sunday it's League. Like a bunch of random people like that, playing together. Like, yeah, and then it's like, oh, you lose momentum. Then I'll, I'll be scoring. Well, now we feel better. But, like, this is Bishop. That's not. Not Division Three college. <laughs> <Yeah>. U.S. college. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is. Uh, Grim. And so Even anyway, this is a good segue to mention that there is now news uh, following this disappointment, following the calls for various heads on the part of fans. One man has stepped up to step down. Fikret <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Orman, the owner of the club or the president, president, not yeah. technically an owner, right? People own president. people own club. Yeah, yeah the president. I guess, yeah, Ali Nabi would probably be more of a general manager or something. But anyway, uh, yeah. he stepped down. He's Tifa. He's, he's, uh, he's gone. Fikret Orman, who has been with the club for six years? I think more than that. Maybe eight? Maybe seven or Maybe eight. eight. I thought yeah. it was six or eight. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah. through thick and thin, good stuff. He's, he's overseen the FEDA period, gotten us through it without going bankrupt. He has uh, overseen the, the, the glory years where we won back-to-back -back titles. Uh, he's overseen that wonderful Champions League run. He has brought us to a height that few Besiktas fans... In fact, I mean, let's just say that's the highest Besiktas has ever been. We were uh, going deep into the Champions League and... Getting star Europe, players also. even that have huge reputations around the continent. And, um, you know, things were looking really solid. And obviously what was botched was the next phase. The, the you know, How do you preserve that talent and that sort of reputation while uh, getting younger and phasing into a new generation? And, and we stumbled. We made a few errors. I think the biggest problem, and, and this is not entirely Fikret Orman's fault, but was the, um, you know, obviously there was the big coup attempt 
in Turkey, which created a huge amount of political instability. We still did good after that, but that's right now. But we lost Gomez. Bubakar came in, yeah, and Talish. Yeah, but we got a Bubakar and Talish guy after that, so we were, yeah, we were fine for those next. I'll just say it, man. Losing Gomez is what led to the half-hearted attempts to solve things by getting Negredo, and then Love, and then Laren. And so still... Yeah, Negredo was, uh, was 12 months... Twelve months after, I think, because we got a Bubakar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, that was the beginning, though, right? Yeah. That's the descent. That's the yeah. beginning of the descent. I guess. Uh, but so the coup, and it really like it. It, it happened to Besiktas at the worst time because that's right where we have our we're at our peak recruiting capacity. We're doing well. Um, we're attracting top talent, right? Theoretically, that's where we could really be building something. And of course. That becomes a, you know, as far as pros and cons for players, that's a huge con, you know, going into that yeah. kind of instability. Even harder, like for a guy who was already in Turkey, it's it's maybe a little easier because you can see that maybe you wouldn't be personally impacted. But there's a, you don't know, obviously. Gomez was already in Turkey. He didn't want to. That's come what back, I mean. So. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, it's. And Sosa wanted to leave. And we, exactly. Like, so, really bad timing, and then of course. Political instability a lot of bad is transfers. just a one-term thing that happens in a vacuum, a one-year operation. What's led in the following years has been increasing instability, particularly of an economic type. Uh, and so the currency fluctuations, the trade war kind of sanctiony type stuff with the U.S. and uh, it's it's. It's been tumultuous economically, and that has definitely not yeah. helped Besiktas. So, I think those issues just exacerbated the uh, poor transfer decisions that were made, particularly up top. Exactly. With Wagner, Love, Negredo, Kyle Laren, and then. Exactly. You know, bringing Pepe on a map. Pepe was fine, but it was, you know, that was a huge salary that we could only afford with Champions League money. And when Jake left, well, we and this, did I, not properly replace his goal scoring. I think we can't. Chanel Gunesh has to take some blame here. He had a lot of talent at his disposal for a couple of years and did yeah. not put up the results. Terrible first halves of seasons. Obviously, Abdullah is having a pretty terrible first half of the season too. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know that's also like a different issue in and of itself. The late transfers are an issue, but that's kind of a product of the economy and all of that. I mean, yeah, it's been a confluence of things. I've never personally been one to villainize Fikret Orman because I, I'm sympathetic to all of these crazy factors that involve success in football generally, but of course in Turkey specifically. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, I think he's reading the pulse of the club well. He, you know, it's like you got to... You know when you're not wanted, right? <laughs> uh, you yeah. got to be able to step down gracefully, and I think uh, he's doing the right thing by stepping down now. Uh, the era came to an end probably when Chenol kind of flatlined, uh, and so that could have yeah. been the time. There's a there's a lot of things that just the transfers this summer weren't are not working out so far, which I don't think is the most unpredictable thing. Um, the coaching staff decision, you know, to keep Chanel as long as they did and then bring in Abdul Abdul, you know, maybe he's the right choice long term. But so far, it hasn't looked like that we already had 
coach like Guti, which would have been maybe risky, but I still, yeah, that would have know, been the most up and coming coach stuff like that. There's a lot of decisions that could have been made. Yeah, that would have been the move for me, honestly, uh, and it would have forged ties with. I'm, I, I'm personally a could have gone younger this this summer. And imagine more established having ties players. with like Real Madrid's youth setup via Gucci too, right? We could be getting some interesting yeah. young talent. So I think, you think the money we spent? We spent a lot of money this summer, and it was all on 24s, 25s. Which I guess we wanted to be younger, but you know, now that it's not working. That's like you know they're at their peak value. I, we could have gotten players like. Devrisholu, who went for I think three point four million dollars to Brentford, or, or Konkokju, or or Konkokju, you know, could have, <sighs> if, if if things were happening poorly right now, but we had those players, they should say, okay, you know, tomorrow is another day. Well, and I, like, look, I, we still right now we got Nkudu with a fifty percent, you know, I think profit margin that goes to Tottenham. We already paid a lot of money for him, which is, we basically paid top dollar for everyone. Or if we loaned him in, they have a very high. Yeah, no, I, I, um, buyout clause that. I think look, it's not. We these are all steel pieces for uh, for a kind of unit to go forward with. They don't have to inherently be starters. They could be rotation pieces in some cases. There's still value in these guys. It's not a lost cause. You know, they've all had literally four or five Super League matches to to like. Nothing is set in stone as far as their uh, value, their reputation, their ability. There's a lot to go forward with, but there's no doubt at the same time that whatever we're doing now is not working. Um, we're close, yeah. hopefully, to turning a corner. Um, and I say that yeah, hopefully because there's no real evidence of it at the moment. But we can hope. These past three Rough, rough. Yeah, very rough, no rough. doubt. Um, but like again, like if you don't come into the season with a hope or expectation that Best Judge is going to win the title, and you look at things objectively, now let's quickly do that. Let's look at the table, right? Right now, Alanya Spor is sitting in first place with 13 points. Fener has 10 points in second place. Galatasaray is in seventh place with eight points. Besiktas is in 11th place with five, which means that Besiktas is now three points behind Galatasaray. Our rival. Yeah. That's not insurmountable by any stretch. Besiktas is five points. Yeah, that's, that's the um, right. That's one. The argument of uh, Abja after the game. But, but I mean, it's a fact, right? Like Alanya also has beat, 13 points. Besiktas so. could beat Galatasaray in their next derby, and they're equal on points. Fenerbahce. Five points ahead of Besiktas, five games in. Fener has drawn one match and lost one and five. I don't think anyone's saying that the league is over, but it's at the same time, it's we're losing well, yeah, the no, Europa so League. This is what I'm saying, is that objectively, right? If you just look at the, the table as it's set at the moment, nothing's written in stone and a lot could theoretically change. And so uh, the, the, the counter argument to anyone asking for giant stomach changes tomorrow is that like this is supposed to be a process and there's gonna be hurdles and stumbling points like there would be in any any sort of process that's significant uh, that, that's actually creating change that's not just saying that um we're getting yeah. we've gotten significantly younger we've shed like five years on our average age i just feel like this is a lot like joju or koku whatever his name was and found out about you last year where they're like oh you know 
next game we're going to win. Oh, next game we're going to win. And then they went the whole first half of the season without winning a single game, and they had to fire the coach, which looked like they were going to get relegated. And well, that's that certainly stuff. the uh, so that's yeah. certainly the most negative outcome on the other, on the flip side. Um, and I haven't yeah. spelled out. So, I, mean, I haven't even spelled out a, a positive outcome here. I mean, yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying that Petrutash is destined to end the season at first. What I am saying, however, is that um, it's probably a little quick to really be flashing the panic signs. I mean, n- not emotively, right? This is definitely the time. I, I think I think we're we're getting there though. If we lose the next, you know, three oh, or four yeah. games, well, we have another Europa, I think we're playing Wolves again. If we come in and get you know, get smoked versus Wolves, Europa League's probably over. You would think. You know, we lose another couple of leagues, so it's like we're getting to that point where things need to turn around. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I would even they're say not, that. And they're looking worse. They're looking worse every week. That's also things. Not looking like we're on the up. It looks like we're on the down. So we just have to. We're on the road again. Pray at this point. We're, we're on the road against Trabzon this this week. So that's without Lajic because he's suspended. Terrible no. news. Um. Let's see, when is that match? I should actually just go ahead and tell you guys, the listeners. Yeah, um, Besiktas is going to be on the road in Trabzon on Sunday. So for those of us here on the East Coast of the United States, that's a noon game, um, which means I think 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. 6 p.m. in Europe, 7 or 8 p.m. in Turkey. Um, yeah, it's the like, least ideal kind of place to go play a game on the road given where we are at this point in the season um, but and I think you're right to say that e- I would even go further than you I think a loss against Trabzon especially like a bad one that could be it yeah, if I mean, we Trabzon lose like, struggling so far also they are so they same, are. same way Bashakshir was like uh, under the expectations where they have mm-hmm. three ties one win one loss so one but I'll say this that if Trabzon comes out hot and, and they, they, they crush us if they beat us like three to nil or three to one or something <laughs> yeah we've I'm gone down by three goals multiple times a season away from home so it doesn't even seem unreasonable <laughs> well, and so I'll say right now that if that's the final outcome on Sunday uh, Abdul Avji could be fired Honestly, and I'm not suggesting that's the right idea. I'm not. Suggesting- I think if Orman was still in charge, I wouldn't say. But who knows who's going to be in charge? I don't even like. Well, and I think Orman is in charge on. in the short term anyway. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's no doubt. Given the Turkish coaching carousel, like I'm sure he's got a very short leash. So I mean, no, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that he's going to survive the season or even until the winter uh but i i personally think that that's irrational for if if he doesn't um you know if for me i mean uh, i don't even care about the results i just want to see them the players play better that's right now they're not playing exactly no and and that's why like you can't be happy where things are that that would be irrational too on the flip side of what i'm saying but at the same time, we can't go too far because it is just five games into a season with with a ton of r- yeah. rotating players in and out of the squad because of injuries and suspensions. We've so not right even now, yet seen the ideal starting eleven once all season. I mean, yeah, because Burak was out, but Burak. I mean, because various people have been. Trabzon has a lot more players out than we do. They, you know, they lost Abdul Kadir Ömer. Or they lost. Um, He's gone for the whole year. Though. His They're sub, his sub was Yusuf Sari. They lost him, and then they, um, well, they have someone else that's hurt. 
They're gonna have to get used to being to light without Omur though, right? Yeah. He's done. And they sold Yusuf Yazidjadim, like basically didn't replace him. I guess they got Sturridge, but yeah, but I don't think. Oh, they had a lot of issues, and I mean. But no, but dude, look. Anyway, struggling at a forget level. them. Who cares about Trevson? My point about Besiktas is that we've still not, you know, we have not seen the. I don't even think we've seen like our top eight players on the pitch at the same time this year yet, because of all the in and in, in, ins and outs and everything that we've and had. Red cards. And red cards and I mean tons of little tiny injuries like like started in the preseason and lasted the first two weeks and you know like Ozan's been in and out and it's um you know it, it's a weird uh, it's a, again I'd say a confluence of bad uh, coincidences that are mounting into this but of course that doesn't mean Abdul Avji is uh, has no blame so he needs to respond accordingly um he can't be treating Boyd like he's the he's responsible especially now that he hasn't yeah. played in three matches and we've done terribly in all three of them clearly he's we've not the, worse, the piece so, that's, that's yeah. rotten uh but yeah let's tie this thing up man you have anything else to say everyone uh i just hope one day i can watch a best such game and uh enjoy it you know <laughs> yeah that's and, um that's and then lot, you know yeah like, you know it's not free to watch these guys Sometimes like, what? What am I? I mean, obviously I'm psychotic, so I'll keep paying regardless to watch him. But you know, it's starting to creep in. It's like, why am I doing this with my life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we're, 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 we don't just watch these games. We have this podcast. <laughs> we really dedicate a lot of time to these guys. So yeah, this is far from ideal. I also hope that we can enjoy these things. Secret Orman, happy trails. But yeah, I hope yeah. that whatever comes next. I don't, we didn't talk much about the Orman stuff, except just telling you guys that he has said that he's resigning because there's not much to say yet. Nobody stepped yeah. up as a candidate. There will be elections supposedly in December. I'm going to wait to report much and speculate. Uh, I think Khan probably will have a lot to say. Maybe Kartal yeah. and the others. But I think the only speculation that we heard was from uh, Murata Zen a couple hours ago saying that the management confirmed to Abdul Abdul that they're still behind him even though Orman left I think because there was some like not concrete rumors were saying like oh if Orman leaves that means Abdul's gonna leave because they're like you know buddy buddy but yeah right yeah and it was his the initial the initial reported sir is that is not the case that's all we really know yeah and so um stay tuned for all of that uh also supposedly the yield in Demirora and stuff has died down uh, he's not going to be the the next president, so everyone can breathe easy in that regard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's let's take us out. Follow <laughs> us at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow our usual co-host, our Belgian man who is currently the Footy Alatorga podcast host uh, more than us uh, with us these days. But yeah. He's still out there at R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N, Rosarian. Follow my good man Evron over here at fan of BJK. Follow me at sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Follow the mothership, the, the news source that brings all of this to you. Best International at 
Besiktas underscore I-N-T. And that's it as far as Twitter stuff. Uh, call us, leave some notes for an after the beep. We're, we're back into the season, so you know, leave your thoughts on what's happening with the season. I'll give you guys the uh, WhatsApp number to do that with uh, in the podcast notes, as always. Uh, stay tuned for more, of course. We'll be back for the for post-match stuff on the Travis Onsport match. Uh, Wolverhampton, there's plenty of football ahead to talk about and news. Uh, we still have to talk about Quaresma, Evran. We have to have yeah. the Quaresma episode. Uh, send him off on a farewell and debate his uh, legacy. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Besides that, just be cool, everyone. And uh, let's go, Bashi I don't know about that one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta still say it. Someday, someday it'll be uh, meaningful again. One day I'll be happy again. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Well, we're in the clear, dude. Yeah. Probably go eat dinner because I got practice in an hour and a half. Yeah. Hour and a half. We're up dinner. Yeah. <laughs> okay, she was like, she was like, could you close my bag? And I was like, get out of here, I'm broadcasting. Oh, that what you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what you said. I was going to do that. Like, oh. Anyway, uh, talk to you soon, dude. Yeah, I'll see you later. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.